Here in this segment, we're going to talk about mega churches. And I thought about the idea for this segment because over the weekend, my wife and I wrapped up season three of the Righteous Gemstones. And I know, Gordo, you're a huge fan of this show. I love the Righteous Gemstones. It's on <laughs> HBO or Max, whatever you call it these days. It's basically a 30-minute sitcom each week. It's on Cinemax or HBO? What, what did you say? It's I on HBO or Max, which is the new HBO, oh, okay. what they're calling their app, I guess. And it's about a family of televangelists and megachurch pastors led by Eli Gemstone, played by John Goodman. Could they have gotten anybody better? than John Goodman to play that role. I don't think so. He's great. Boy, talk about a long and relevant career. I mean, he has solidly worked for 40 years now. And he's pretty much great in every role. Yes. And he's one of the great hosts on Saturday Night Live. I always admire the guys who, when they are on Saturday Night Live, they make the whole episode. You know, Alec Baldwin's like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Tom Hanks, Steve Martin, all those guys who have been doing it many, many times. But John Goodman's another one that... It's always great on Saturday Night Live. And speaking of always great, this whole show is the brainchild of Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. He created it, and he stars as the oldest son, the heir apparent, the Stephen Jones to his dad's Jerry Jones, right. Eli Gemstone's Jim Stone's Jerry Jones. And I, I've always made the comparison between the Jones family and the Gemstones because there's a dad mm-hmm. who is the all-powerful patriarch of the family and the business, and... There's the oldest son, who's the heir apparent. There's the middle child, who's the daughter, Mm -hmm. just like Charlotte. And then there's the young son, the youngest of the three, just like Jerry Jr. (laughs) Right. And they're very wealthy, and they're very over the top. Uh The the Jones family is our version of the Righteous Gemstones, and they probably cuss just as much. Yes. And no matter how much wealth they have, there's still that kind of classless element to them. <laughs> the way that Jerry and them used to party. Right. I think Jerry and them are a little bit more classy, hopefully, than the righteous gemstones. Because, and, boy, the gemstones. they The vulgarity on that show. It's unbelievable. It's through the roof. Particularly for a supposedly religious family. <laughs> and maybe that's why they do it. Yeah. The contrast there, but I've, I've never seen a show that cusses as much. No. And some of it's real over the top, gratuitous, and <laughs> Judy, the middle child, her cussing is... Yeah, she's a Texan, you know, Edie yeah. Patterson. She's so good in this show. Oh my gosh, yeah, she's... I, I told you this when we were talking about it recently on the air, you know, my two favorite characters i think as much as i love danny mcbride who created this and created eastbound and down and Mm -hmm. vice principles and he's done so much great stuff uh my favorites on the show are are judy gemstone Mm -hmm. and her husband bj i think that guy is such an underrated and of course baby billy walt walton goggins is the uncle Mm -hmm. uncle baby billy he was eli's wife's brother yeah so he's related to them. He's an in-law, but he's always working some angle, mm-hmm. trying to get back in their good graces, trying to He has that young famous. wife, and they got the teeth fixed. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> it's the craziest, wildest, most over-the-top cussing, entertaining right. show on TV, I think. And the father, Eli, started off as a pastor, and he built it up into a megachurch. And so they have one of the biggest megachurches in America. Mm-hmm. And so it's their it's their religious dynasty, and of course they get involved in all these 
offshoot things like uh, like a, a resort, a biblically based <laughs> resort, and uh, you know it's all those side projects that they make a lot of money in. Mm-hmm. It's not just the donations to the church; they try to start a bunch of businesses, and that is also very similar to what some mega churches and particularly TV ministries do. Mm-hmm. They have other business ventures. And by the way. After watching the final episode, a lot of people felt like that was the conclusion of the entire series. It felt like it to me. It I didn't realize me too. it didn't I didn't realize they had signed on for another season. Yeah, they just recently announced that there is going to be a season 4, but you're right because you told me that before I saw it that it mm-hmm. felt like a wrap up to the whole thing and when I watched it, it did feel like the end of the series and I kept thinking where can they take it from here? I'm sure there's always a way you can go, but it would have been a good time to end it, I think. Yeah, it's almost like they ended season three not knowing whether or not they were signed up for another one. Yeah. So they, they could conceivably have a wrap-up there if that was the end of the show. Right. But it's great that we have a preacher's kid for this segment. Thank you. Because I wanted to talk about mega churches because I've been to a couple mega churches. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, we have more here in North Texas than pretty much anywhere in the country the state of Texas has a total of 212 megachurches, and only California has more with 218. What is a megachurch? Like, how would you define that? Uh, so, they say that they are usually non-denominational. Right. And they have a large average weekly attendance of at least 2,000, but some of these that we'll talk about here in the Metroplex and in the state have much larger weekly attendances. And I always kind of, in my mind, not only are they non-denominational, but they have the seating capacity of a small college basketball arena. Yeah, It's got to be a big venue. So, Olstein's place down there in Houston, isn't it in a... Is it his place that's in a former stadium? It's the old arena? summit where the Houston Rockets okay. won their world championships back in the 90s. The summit and where uh, the Cougars used to play, too. I think outside of Hawfines, they'd play a couple of games at the summit. But yeah, that they're the number one in terms of size. Mega Church, Lakewood Church is what it's called in Houston, the Joel Olstein Church. They get a weekly attendance of about 50,000. Holy mackerel. So in the summit, for a service, they can probably fit 20,000. So they probably have two or three services to get to that 50. And he got that church when his father passed away, I guess. Olstein did. And he turned it into this? Yeah, I guess so. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'm not up in my Olstein history. But he's the guy. I'm sure a lot of people know who Joel Olstein is. He's of course, churns out the books as well and has a bunch of other products. But... Yeah, he looks like, uh, what does he look like? He looks like he could be on the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> the second largest church in the state is the Fellowship Church in Grapevine. Average weekly attendance, 24,000. And the third is largest... Is that Ed Young's place? I uh, believe that is Ed Young's place, yes. Yeah, Ed Young is a P1. I've gone out to lunch with him. And it was weird because Ed's... Dad and my dad knew each other back in Mississippi. Oh wow! Ed Young's family's from Mississippi, and um, and yeah, so there I found old tapes of in my dad's stuff. I have old tapes of Ed Young seniors preaching, and as well as my dad's preaching. Wow! I know it. It's crazy. And yeah, Ed Young and I went out to 
lunch, I think, a couple times together. But yeah, he's built that fellowship church into something huge. Your dad started at small churches, but eventually made his way to big churches. Yeah, First Baptist Richardson, not a mega church, yeah. but, but you know, a larger church. Do you think he would have liked preaching at a mega church? Would he have liked no. leading a mega church? No, I and I even think First Baptist Richardson was when you when it gets big like that. I remember him one time saying to me, you know, that once you get into bigger and bigger churches, you you kind of become a um, almost like a CEO rather than a preacher it's like there's such a big business associated with running a large organization that you know you have to you're wearing a lot of different hats and i think that it was that there's a a natural barrier to people who just don't want to go bigger than that and some people can do it some people can't gateway church in south lake is the third biggest in the state weekly attendance of about twenty thousand. dang then there's a Woodlands Church down in Houston, mm-hmm. Prestonwood Baptist in Plano, weekly attendance 17,000. I remember when that wasn't a mega church, mm-hmm. but it was on the ascent. Uh, Billy Weber was the name of the pastor way back in the day. Also on this list in the top 10, Lake Point Church in Rockwall. That's one of the mega churches that I've been to. So you went there. I went to Lake Point, and I have to say... The couple of mega churches that I've attended, I've kind of liked them. Pleasant experience? Yeah, it really is. There's something very communal feeling when all of you are there for a purpose. And yeah. You just, you've got more going on and more to look at and there's a bigger energy in the place. I love the small churches too, but, but my experience. I call it big C energy. The big JC. <laughs> big JC energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. My experiences in the mega churches have been positive. So I think that. I think that's what's appealing about them. First of all, that to me, the primary benefit of church to humans is that communal feeling. And I think that that's a lot of ways one of our problems is no matter whether you feel like uh, there's any divinity related to religion or not, the thing that it does for humans is it gives you a community of like-minded people that you can lean on and support and that uh, you feel like you're a part of something. Everyone yeah. wants to be a part of something because we're these social creatures. So when you go to those mega churches, they're very good at having programs or things you can be involved in that touch everybody's different interests that, uh, you know, they... I mean, you go to it, and it's like almost a, a huge one-stop shop, the campus there. you There's so many activities and things that they offer. Mm-hmm. they got Starbucks in there. You've yeah. got a service that, that obviously has enough money to make it very interesting and visually appealing. Concessions, like Concessions, they got video <laughs> screens. they got, you know, they, they're in the business of knowing that you can make, that you can make a message also entertaining, uh, that holds your interest. Mm-hmm. You know, make it compelling in that way than some beaten down place that's falling apart which a lot of old churches are unfortunately yeah there's a more traditional church that we have gone to as well and they have recently grown they've built a bigger sanctuary and it feels now like they're heading towards mm-hmm. a mega church and i'm telling you driving around the metroplex it feels like there's a mega church on every corner they're popping up everywhere i know we're a land of 10,000 churches i do wonder how it's been going lately because I think people are moving away from churches. Like, it, church is not near the dominant cultural force that it used to be in the 60s, 50s, yeah. 60s, and, and that time. I'm sure it was maybe even bigger than that before. But it feels like the world is going more and more secular. 
and the mega church was the thing that kept churches relevant at a time when things were moving more secular and so they kind of built this version of a church that had the all the trappings of of secularity of secular malls and mm-hmm. and uh, you know entertainment and kind of that sports theme when you're inside there you know and where it gets real amped up and everything mm-hmm. they were able to keep churches relevant for longer than they probably would have been had mega churches not been developed tv ministry was also a huge deal yeah that uh when when that started in the 70s i guess is when mm-hmm. jerry falwell was the first one i remember being a real big but that's of course just during my lifetime i don't know if there was somebody bigger than that i guess billy graham would have been one that yeah. had this w- weird kind of roving mega church you know he would have his crusades and he would sell out stadiums for mm-hmm. them and and preach you're right when we were kids it seemed like everybody we knew all the kids on our block or at school all went to church right the family that didn't go to church was the outlier right and these days it and probably now it's the other way the around opposite. yeah that family they go to church all the time so it's like the mega churches as you said are keeping church alive for a lot of people yeah Mm-hmm. Where that's kind of sad if the if the small neighborhood church is going away, like maybe the mom and pop restaurant and the mom and pop drugstore, and yeah, it's hard for those to survive these days. I guess I know, but I can't imagine any mega church being run as somebody as cynical as the righteous gemstones. <laughs> <laughs> no way. The craziest, most over-the-top television show. But they nail a lot of the aesthetics of those megachurches. Obviously, it's a hyperbolic representation of megachurches, but some of the stuff they get right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy wandering the stage with the Telecaster playing, you know, and stuff. and (laughs) (laughs) And it probably is a struggle, I think, for most, giving them the benefit of the doubt here, most leaders of a megachurch... Because you do want to grow it and you want to amp it up as much as possible, but you don't want to ever get so absorbed in the money-making part of it or the spectacle part of it that you lose the message. So right. I bet that's a daily battle for those guys. Yeah, but the you know the message also has has responded to market conditions. I know when prosperity gospel started getting popular in the eighties and so on that uh, you know church became about. It wasn't so much about sacrifice. This was one form of preaching that people would do. It wasn't so much about sacrifice and denial of pleasures and all that. It was the this idea that God wants you to be successful, right? Monetarily, right? And and uh, so all these trappings, these great trappings of the world, you know, are yours. God wants to reward you if you serve Him. He will reward you with these. You know, the airplanes and... Who was the televangelist in Fort Worth that had all of the private planes? Uh, Well, there was Robert Tilton. He was a prosperity gospel guy. Yeah, there was another one, though. Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth was kind of the hub of the prosperity gospel TV preacher. There were several of them that we had here. Uh, Evie Grant, I think, was one... Uh, there was also the Trinity Broadcasting oh. Network. Wasn't that here? That was the woman with the cotton candy hair. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. I think they were out. Kenneth Copeland is who I was thinking Kenneth about. Kenneth Copeland. He had the uh, Fort Worth 
Yeah, that's right. Private airstrip and hangar for his assorted aircraft. <laughs> was he the one that did when the bodies hit the floor? Somebody made like a video of him healing people, and they said it yes. to when the bodies hit the floor. That song. Yeah, I think so. Or was that Benny Hinn? I oh, that may he, have been Benny Hinn. I think Hinn. he was also based here. Well, we used to watch Benny Hinn a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Just my sister and I for entertainment. Yeah. We what used to watch world. that all the time, too. I know. It's it's hard to think that back there was a time where TV, you would watch the broadcast channels and half of them would be taken up with preachers, it seemed like. Yeah. Dr. Gene Scott. Dr. Gene Scott and all that. But, yeah, I've never, I don't know that I've ever been to a megachurch. In my in my long religious career, I don't know that I've ever visited a megachurch. I, I think you should, and I'd be interested to see what you would think of it. It's not my preference, mm-hmm. but when I have gone, it's been pleasurable. Yeah, and I know that there was, when those things first started up, a lot of people looked judgmentally at them. Mm-hmm. You know, people wearing jeans and showing up and everything super cash and ultra contemporary and all that. And the old timers, you know, looked a little bit askance, askew at that. Askance mm-hmm. or askew? Which one is it? Maybe askew. Askance. And, but at the same time, it's, you have to judge them on what kind of message are they delivering. Are they making people better people? Right. And more thoughtful people and more considerate people that are there to serve a community of other people? And usually the answer is yes. And if that's the case, then why do we have to get so worried about whether or not the uh, the youth minister up there has the chain on the wallet and torn <laughs> jeans and is talking ultra hip. Totally agree. 